You are listening to Defining Moments Podcast. This is episode number eight with Tim Dixon, Senior Corporate Finance Analyst at Chesapeake Energy. In today's episode, Tim talks about his disease that he battles with every day and how his family and his wife has helped him with his disease. Hi everyone, my name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Each podcast, I bring on a family member, a colleague, a friend, a guest that has submitted their defining moment and has agreed to come onto the podcast to share it. A defining moment is a moment that either you define or you let the moment define you. We go through many of them in life. Perhaps your moment was a struggle that led you to your moment of greatness or led you to contribute to society the way that you do. How did it affect you? How did it affect others? How did your mom go to bat for you when she heard the diagnosis about your disease? A family is a place where principles are hammered and honed on the anvil of everyday living. That's a quote by Charles Swindle. Imagine being just seven years old and watching your mom cry, but you don't even know why. Then finding out as you get older why she was crying and how she dealt with the news about you. Did the why me outlook ever set in? He's a senior corporate finance analyst at Chesapeake Energy. He's training for a half marathon, a video game champion, a father of a dog, and a cat. Today's special guest is Tim Dixon. Mr. Dixon, welcome to the podcast. My man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so actually, I, you have two dogs, correct? Two, two cats. Two, or two yeah. cats and a dog. Yep. I got you. And you brought your lovely wife today to got listen Got my wife in. in studio. Yeah. So if uh, you guys here chime in, that's his wife. <laughs> you introduce yourself? My name's Kristen. <laughs> Hang out in studio with them. Right on. So, you know, it's obvious that you love numbers and <laughs> by your degrees, right? You have yep. a, a degree in applied math. Yes, sir. And you have a master's uh, in, in finance. Yep. That's amazing. And so a couple years ago, I got into the uh, corporate reserves group and I noticed that you're on the floor and I really never talked with you because our, our groups really didn't really interact with uh, each other until uh, a couple times when your boss had asked us for some sort of work and that's when i got to know you better and i would come to you and talk to you about multiple things from football to oil and gas prices where are they doing where are we at and it led to hawaiian shirt fridays where every friday <laughs> summer we would wear hawaiian shirts you know and that that was really fun and that to me that was important because it it helped me understand that hey man you know that, this guy is He's pretty uh, fun dude. You know, he's willing to <laughs> wear Hawaiian dress every Friday and smile about it, and we can tweet it, and we have a good time, man. You gotta, you gotta keep things lighthearted sometimes. You know, <laughs> keep you going, keep you motivated. Yeah, you gotta, have, you gotta have fun with life. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. How so? How long you guys been married? So we're going on probably about two and a half years now. So we yeah. got married um, July twenty fifteen. Yeah. So yep, it's so far so good. No yeah. complaints. Yeah, <laughs> like I said. Dog, two cats. <laughs> Keep us busy. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. How's the uh, marathon training? It's going pretty well. So yeah, it's uh, we're sitting here mid-November and uh, planning to do the Oklahoma City half, which is in April. Yeah. Um, and so I'm at the point now where I could almost potentially extend that into full marathon training if I wanted to. Yeah. But I like where I'm at right now. I I can 
you know, fairly, I don't want to say easily, but consistently run, you know, seven, eight miles at a time right now. Yeah. So for a 13 mile race, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. So, you know, with, especially uh, with however six months or so to go, yeah. I'm liking where I'm at. So this will be my first, the, the longest race I've done so far is a 5k. So, man. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I was, uh, I ran track actually when I was in high school, I was more of a short distance runner. Okay. So kind yeah. of making the conversion to a longer distance and, I just have found it's a great way to, you know, just one, get out, exercise, and two, just kind of clear your mind sometimes when you're running. Just, yeah, absolutely right. Yep. My So, Margie, my fiance, she uh, trained for a marathon, and I remember her running in this type of cold weather where it's north wind, it's 20 degrees outside, <laughs> and she'd run. She'd run that lake. Yep. 10 miles. That, I was there this morning. Oh, were you? After, yeah, yeah, okay. It was very windy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It always seems like it's windy no matter, yeah. you know, what, what day it is, and the weather so whether it's sunny i mean if it's sunny it's still windy outside I, and yeah. I, I would caveat so i started you know i started really running probably in june so i have yet to really get to those <laughs> extreme cold temperatures so as of now the plan is to run the uh the half in april it's, yeah. assuming i can continue through the winter but yeah i do have um two younger brothers who have already both done full marathons multiple yeah. times so i feel like i'm kind of like you know behind the eight ball i gotta keep up with them can't right. let my older brother my younger brothers uh outdo me there <laughs> right and, and you also mentioned that your your brothers are mm -hmm. in the military i have one yeah my yeah, youngest one. brother as so yeah speaking of veterans day today yes. so yes. thank you to all our servicemen and women out there for you know their service to our country but uh, yeah youngest brother's in the marine corps right now he's um stationed out at camp pendleton in california right. for the moment right. so i think kind of waiting to hear what his next orders are going to be yeah so. yeah no and i was going to say the exact same thing thank you to him and the men and women that do put out a lot of the uh, sacrifice of their own time and their own life to give us uh, great freedoms yes, in, our, in I, the various I, country. I had the pleasure to go um, to kind of his swearing in ceremony here in Oklahoma City. I guess that was almost two years ago. Yeah. Um, and it really just made you think is like, wow, you know, we is what they would call like civilian mm -hmm. lifestyle. We don't really think very much about, you know, the people who are out there kind of on the front line and yeah. really giving their lives for um, us to be able to do what we do. So yeah. really kind of give a nice perspective. on Yeah. That, so. uh, and that really actually just that gives me chills because yeah. it's it's so important. Right. And um, they should always be remembered and be thought of and be respected and not just on veterans a bit, but every day. Right. I, I try when I see um military and fatigue dress and fatigues you know i go and tell them thank you for their service and to law enforcement to paramedics because they're they're frontline yep as well and without them mm -hmm. and it's it's tough for us i mean it'd be tough for us to do this podcast today without them honestly <laughs> absolutely right? yes yeah. Yeah, very true yeah so you're also a video game champion man. come on explain this video game champion well yeah it's champion maybe a little much i guess I, I really just have one game that i play and i play online against one of my best friends from back home in tulsa so yeah. uh yeah so i grew up um a big hockey fan which is okay. kind of weird for being in oklahoma and um <laughs> So there was a guy who came to to my elementary school. I think he started in second grade. All right. And he also was a, a hockey fan. I noticed he'd like wear jerseys every once in a while. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This guy seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And uh, so we, was, we clicked and became really good friends. And um, still, you know, he went to OU. I went to Tulsa for college. Um, and uh, we still kept, you know, good contact. And yeah. then 
Um, right about when he kind of finished up with all his schooling and moved back to Tulsa, I moved to Oklahoma City. And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's been a long time since we've been in the same city at the same point. <laughs> and uh, so we uh, we both ended up getting PlayStations and we got the NHL games on there. So we can like game against each other. We do yeah. it. Uh, I don't know. Kristen could probably attest, but most nights <laughs> per week, probably at least, you know, two, three, four nights per week, play a couple games against each other. It's what? just a good way to. And you let him do this. <laughs> yeah. So she's still, you know, busy studying and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, when my fiance listens to this podcast, I've been trying to get her to let me buy PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. And she's like, no, you don't need that. I was like, yeah, I do. Maybe this will help out. So I'm, yeah. I am still on the PlayStation 3. That's so. right. I don't, oh, okay. I don't really have yeah. that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'd take an Atari right now if I could. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, man. So I got it back in my man cave. Yeah, just go fire up a couple games per week. And uh, it, uh, it's just a, a good way to kind of stay in contact. Yeah. Since we, we did kind of play a lot. I go over to his house all the time in you know, high yeah. school and we play. And it's a good way <laughs> to stay in contact, a little competitive funness. Yeah. And uh, we kind of talk trash a little bit over text message uh all our games though somehow always end up like they're you know one or two goal games so they're all yeah. pretty close those are real close right? yeah <laughs> so you play games online and yep. you keep touch playing nhl national yep. hockey league games that's right and yep. he's yep. neglecting to tell you his rec hockey team that he plays on in real life oh yeah i do, I do <laughs> play i play real hockey too yeah, they won the championship hockey. in their division last year yeah last so actually play for our yeah chesapeake <laughs> had a team uh last year and then we kind of rebranded and formed a new team this yeah. season yeah. but yeah last year our team won our the championship for the division we were in very good and uh yeah we moved up a division this season and it's we're still pretty early on or probably five or six games yeah. in right now out of yeah. 20 in the season so that's cool man yeah you, I, you, you play video games hockey video games and you're actually playing real life too yeah and, and, neat. and actually several years ago i actually broke my hand broke my thumb in in mm-hmm. one of our games in real life yeah and so once i finally got <laughs> out of the controller yeah, yeah not on the controller <laughs> but yeah had surgery on it had to have it casted up for several months and one of the um instructions like my doctor gave me for healing up was like you know play video games if you can kind of help get that mobility back and so i was like consider it done yeah. oh my gosh that's awesome man yeah but anyways that's about the extent of my video gaming yeah but, uh, it's it's all in good fun so yeah. i uh i remember going to my friend's house and playing um, those modern warfare games <laughs> yeah and he's like hey you gotta get online and do this man so I put on his headset and I'm playing this uh, one person shooter game and I'm playing with all these kids and they're in the background and man, I, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. What's tap double X twice, <laughs> three times, whatever. Yeah. So I'm playing and all of a sudden I hear this kid, what the are you doing? You're killing us. And I was like, yo man, I got your six, bro. He's like, you ain't got Jack. And you know, I was like, okay, well that's enough for me. <laughs> Yeah, I've never really gotten, really the only type of games that I think I even own are, are sports games. Yeah. I've never really kind of gotten into anything else yeah. in there, but uh, yeah. it is, there are some funny stories. A couple yeah. of my, really my youngest brother is really into that, yeah. that type of stuff. That's but, cool, yeah, man. That's really exciting. You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, you know, I, we had this training at uh, at our company and we all had to share something unique about ourselves that no one knew and i believe you were the next to last one because i was the last <laughs> yep. one to, yeah. to go and you shared a, a very to me what i felt like is a very touching um subject and how it came about and how you dealt with it a little bit because you we only had a couple minutes to do it and i immediately thought of you when i started doing these podcasts i want our listeners to get a feel for someone who's gone through something 
in their life and how they turn that into a positive situation or and usually it's not just one you know you don't do it yourself you have to have help you know like like your wife has to help you with certain things and as positive as you are as i am you know when you go home there's going to be times when you're you're not as positive oh, and so she's yeah. got to be the one that picks you up right and same with margie and i'm, I'm a pretty positive dude as well but when I get home, man, there's sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, man, what a tough day. I'm mentally drained. Yeah. And then, but Margie picks me up. And that's so important. And I can definitely see that just meeting her. And, you know, I, I've never, this is the first time I met you, right? And so just by the energy and I can feel from the both of you guys combined, it's really impressive. And I can tell that you both feed off of each other. <laughs> and, you know, one day I'm going to get this video so people can actually see what I'm talking about. But it's not... It's not fake. I mean, it, it's real. And I can tell in your smiles that you guys both share. So I definitely appreciate that. We picked well. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my friends would tell me that I outkicked my coverage uh-huh. with Margie. Yeah. So I have no idea what that means. But <laughs> I guess maybe I did outkick my coverage. I don't yeah. know. Me and you both. Okay, that's then. Right, yeah. All right. So that's a compliment to the, yeah, to the ladies. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So before we get into um, your defining moment, you know, I'm always interested in what do you do in society to contribute to give back because it's it's important that we all give back to the society in one way or another and it doesn't have to mean you give society your church or wherever you go to pray a thousand dollars a month it's uh, that's not what i'm talking about that's because that's just money I'm talking about how how do you contribute back to society yeah great question um and i think even in our kind of you know culture training we were going through i threw this quote out there is one i'd heard recently and it really just stuck with me the first time I heard it. Um, and, you know, we all get stuff thrown at us all the time. And so for something to stick like that, for me, it means that it's pretty important. Right. Um, but the quote was something along the lines of, eventually we all rise and rise or fall to the level of the people we surround ourselves with. I remember that. So to me, I was like, well, just that statement in itself, there's kind of two two things you can take from that. And both both are things you can control to some degree. One being, who do I surround myself with? Mm-hmm. And then two being, how do I influence or impact, you know, the people that are around me? Right. Um, and so really, I think kind of for this defining moments, um, Chad, I think the second one is, is where I can focus on a lot more. Yeah. That. So yeah. how can I influence the people around me? And really kind of help drive them to, you know, accomplish what they're accompl- trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. be the best versions of themselves. And that really can apply to people, you know, I know directly or people I've never met before. You know, yeah. you see a homeless person on the side of the street asking for money, like, oh, if I have some spare change, you know, could help them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll maybe kind of start on that front first. So yeah. direct involvement. When I was still in Tulsa, there was a number of organizations I kind of helped out with, got involved with. And then we moved to Oklahoma City. And for the first couple of years, I mean, I, you know, there was stuff I donated to when I could, kind of mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but really earlier this year, I kind of started having this feeling like, oh, I really need to get out and find something to do to like actually make a contribution, yeah. you know, with my time and, yeah. and effort and stuff like that. And so I just kind of spent a lot of time Googling stuff, like what organization can I help out with? Where's a good place for me to spend my time? And so really kind of started doing two things around the same time. One of them was just kind of through our church. So they mm-hmm. had a, a program they called um, Feed the Hungry, I think is what it's called. And okay. so like once a month, we'd go in and, you know, make a big side dish. They they kind of 
post a couple of different recipes for people to make. And so yeah. then you have a bunch of people sign up to cook food and bring it. And then you have another group of people that kind of gathers it all, takes it out to a park, and then they kind of serve it for people. Okay. And so have contributed to that for a few months. And then they're kind of doing something different for Thanksgiving this month. So we're nice. signed up to help out for that. And it's just, I, I, I enjoy cooking. I didn't really put that on one of my interests, yeah. but I like trying to mess around in the kitchen some. And so, yeah. you know, getting to, to make a dish that I know is going to go out and help feed somebody who maybe wouldn't have something otherwise is a, is a good feeling. Oh, that's great. So that's me, one man. too. And it, and like I said, it really makes a direct impact on the, uh, those in the community. The second one is a really unique, uh, organization that I was, I was excited about when, uh, when I came across it. Mm. Um, and I encourage anyone who uh, is interested to look them up and, and, you know, get involved or donate if you can. Uh, so it's called pet food pantry here in Oklahoma city. Okay. And so what it is, they, uh, they really service like the homeless and senior citizens, kind of low income yeah. folks. Um, and it's, it's geared towards their pets. And so a lot of people immediately come back with like, well, why don't we just help the people? And um, I think there's kind of a two part answer to that. One is that there's a, there are a lot of organizations set up to help people like that. Right. There's really nothing for animals. And you do see a lot of like homeless people out there with mm -hmm. dogs. Yeah, and, absolutely. And stuff like that. I did read or hear something from the lady who kind of organized the group at one point saying when she first kind of got the idea for it, she was at kind of like a bingo type event. And every every person that would win something, they got the option to choose a prize and like there was some, you know, a food item, clothing item or some like pet thing, yeah. like a toy or, or pet food. Yeah. And she was like 90% of the time the people were choosing the item for their pet. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of a lot of people in that situation are forced to choose sometimes between, you know, taking care of their pet or taking care of themselves. Yeah. And so really the, the purpose of the organization is to not force them to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, over the past couple of months, I've gotten to go to some of their fundraiser and events and help out at their warehouse. So they collect, you know, monetary donations, they get food donations, they get toys donated. And so they have a big warehouse that they store them all in and kind of bag the food, dogs and cats. And yeah. they have kind of a clientele um, that they work for every month. And so they'll kind of have volunteers come in, help get everything organized and then deliver that stuff out to yeah. the clients who need it. So you know, my wife and I, and actually really my whole extended family we're all yeah. big big animal people as yeah i know you and margie are as well yeah, and your two dogs here. yeah <laughs> and so it was just great to kind of come across something like that for uh for helping out the animals as well so. no that's that's awesome I, I don't think i've really heard of that but now that i have i i feel like that's going to be a super thing for margie and i and probably for a lot of our listeners because these these pets you know you want to keep them healthy you want to keep them fed you know with good foods because the, we as humans obviously feed off the energy of our pets too yep. right and <laughs> and when they when you come home and they're they want to play with you it makes you feel good yep right so no that that's awesome and I'm definitely i'll definitely check that that out i encourage all of our listeners um whether you're a pet lover or not to yeah. check that out because that's super important especially for you know elderly people and they talk about dogs and cats being um what uh even veterans use oh yeah to comfort Right. Well, especially, yeah. you know, at some point in your life, maybe your pet is all you have. And, right. And, you know, that's right. kind of, if it's your responsibility to help take care of them and you're unable to, then it's just nice yeah. to have that extra support. Yeah. So. Man, that's brilliant. And they also host um, a few other events in the community as well that you can keep up with on their website. But uh, we were able to do a paint your art out fundraiser. So yeah. if you're not interested in necessarily the, the manual labor part of volunteering with them, <laughs> they do some really fun fundraisers yeah. at different local venues. 
as well. But yeah, so I think the, so those awesome. two are ex- examples of just kind of how I maybe directly <clears throat> would, you know, make a contribution into our local community, local society. Yeah. And then kind of so the, the second point, we'll probably get into it a little bit more here in, yeah, in detail sure. as I go into the defining moment. But I think yeah. really just kind of the the way I bring an attitude to things and mm-hmm. an attitude in a good way <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. just trying to inspire and, and, you know, lift up those around me. Yeah. Um, I know some people and even people you probably had on here before would be able to say, you know, my, my job makes a direct contribution to society or my mm-hmm. talents make a direct contribution. I don't mm-hmm. always know if I can directly say that. I mean, you know, work at a corporation yeah. and, you know, help them out, which in, in indirectly, you know, can benefit yeah. the certain communities where we work and obviously provide jobs right. and things right. like that. Um, but I think just really being able to kind of, like I said, inspire those people, motivate those people around me to help them accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. That's really what I've, at least to this point in my life felt is uh yeah kind of the way i can contribute yeah see and that's that's i i feel like you're right on man that that's what makes you so unique is when i talk to you i can feel the the positive energy right and it's not just oh well yeah i'm crunching numbers all day but here's <laughs> what else i i do outside of work yeah the the defined moments podcast you already know what it is and you know i i brought you on because i feel like you're your defining moment is very powerful and I have a, a great passion for family and also touch to touch back on the contribution to society. The reason why that is so important to me is because when I was, I think eight years old in the summertime, my parents would always give us homework, multiplication, mathematics, and then they would give us sentences and they would give us words, words that we had to spell, uh, of course, obviously in English. And contribution was the hardest word for me to spell, let alone pronounce at that time. (laughs) But that word in itself probably has the deepest meaning to me. And I remember my parents telling me uh, when when you get older and you go to work and no matter where you work, where you live, you know, make sure you are able to contribute to society and don't forget your family. And those are two things that you know have hit home with me throughout my life. And I, I pass it on when I coach. I pass it on with my colleagues I work with because it's important, right? And I, you're doing an amazing job and your wife's doing a terrific job as well. So I, hats off to both well, of you. Yeah, thank And I, I think I had, uh, listened to your uh, podcast with Verl the other day. Yeah. I think you had made a comment in there too, kind of like, the feeling you know, we, we we do have an obligation to you know help those around yeah, us and i yeah. agree 100 percent yeah that, so. yeah the moral obligation anyway you can right? like you said yeah. whether it is you know if all you're able to do is you know write a check and make a donation yeah that's great if you're yeah. able to contribute with your you know time yeah same thing absolutely yeah. man so your defining moment is really really fascinating to me you know so if you don't mind explaining or letting our listeners know how what was your defining moment what led into it and the the outcomes of it sure yeah roll the clock back a little bit all right let's do it yeah so uh i guess it would have been 1994 would have been the year june um so i can't remember if we mentioned or not but i'm the oldest of five kids and uh, my sister who's number four in line Mm -hmm. was had just been born um, and I think she may have even still been in, in the hospital at this point, but I had a, um, doctor's appointment for, I don't know if it was a couple weeks, a couple months leading up to this point. Um, I had been losing a lot of weight. I was kind of thirsty all the time, mm-hmm. um, using the restroom all the time. And, um, anyway, so I remember 
kind of going in after getting some different tests done and all that and uh, sitting kind of in the doctor's office. And uh, so they finally came in and I remember I was, you know, seven years old, so I could understand what they were saying, but I didn't really know what they were talking about. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, I just remember after the doctors had said said a couple things, my mom just like started crying while we were waiting there in the doctor's office. And so um, I specifically remember like my reaction at that point was like, oh, man, this must be pretty bad. Like if my mom's crying. So then my immediate reaction was like to start crying, too, because I was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what's going on. What does this mean? Yeah. And uh, and so then, yeah, over the course over the next uh, day or two, I was kind of taken over to the hospital there in Tulsa mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they were, that's where they were like, okay, yeah, you have diabetes. We have to do, um, you know, all these different blood tests. You're going to start taking shots. And they really just did a great job kind of getting us all trained up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so kind of a funny caveat or tying back to something we were talking about earlier. Uh, I was most excited about being in the hospital that you could rent video games and play them. (laughs) And, uh, and the other funny part is the the one video game that I absolutely did not understand at the time was yeah. the hockey video game. Yeah. So they like brought it in and I was like trying to play it and I was like, this game is so dumb. I don't know. <laughs> I specifically remember that to this day. And then, you know, flash forward 20, 20 some odd years yeah. later and I was like, oh, actually, I love playing hockey video games. So the times have changed. So that was a NHL 94. Yeah. So yeah, NHL 94, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Back to one of the originals. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I mean, so it was... Uh, it came as quite a shock for sure. And I'm sure, um, for my mom too, you know, being, being there, just seeing her reaction, she probably had a lot of questions racing through her head at the time and just a lot of fear and uncertainty about the future. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so I guess the, so I I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I clarify that as well. There is a difference between type one and type two. Um, type one is where, um, really your pancreas just stops producing insulin. Okay. Um, not really anything you, you do at least that they're aware of at this point that kind of causes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does, it is kind of a genetic thing. So it does run in families to some degree. So like I have an aunt on my dad's side, who's type one diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, yeah. So I spent a couple of days in the hospital, um, getting all, like I said, trained up, educated, meeting doctors and stuff like that. Right. And then, um, after that kind of send you on your way with your, um, you know, new, new knowledge and, you know, obviously have, um, folks there if you have questions or you have regular appointments and stuff like that, but then you kind of yeah. add on your own. Right. So anyways, yeah, I mean, really the way my mom kind of addressed that challenge, I guess you could say it was just really to me inspirational. And I mean, it really probably defines, at least in my eyes, defines mm. her motherhood. Yeah. I mean, it, so we had, you know, four kids at the time and even with a newborn that became like, my diabetes became like the top priority. Right. And uh, even we talked about kind of the culture thing. My behavior style is kind of down in the supporting box. Mm, I don't really like being in the limelight and stuff. Like I kind of prefer to be back behind the scenes working on stuff. I'm with you. And so, yeah, you are. That's right. And so to kind of be in a position where like, you know, you're really bringing attention to yourself. That's not necessarily my nature. And so parts of me have been like, oh, you know, I don't know what it's like, you know, for any of my siblings perspectives having me being like, yo, always getting attention on this stuff. I'm, none of them have ever expressed or felt anything like that. But part of me has always been like, yeah, hey, you know, I wish maybe some of them, hopefully I didn't pull away from any opportunities they had at mm-hmm. some point mm-hmm. just from, you know, all the things that I needed over time. But yeah, right. I mean, my mom just, 
up all the time, um, you know, making sure my blood sugar was in control, testing, giving me my insulin injections when I needed them. She spent a lot of effort, you know, educating the, the staff at the school I went to and my classmates and parents of classmates. So yeah. she, you know, drafted up letters to send out. Got even got like the news to come to my school at one point and do like a little segment on just how like great they were taking care of me and all that stuff. That's I went amazing. to a smaller yeah, yeah. private school in Tulsa. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she just addressed the challenge head on. Man, I love that. Yeah. Uh, so your your mom informed just about everyone in school about diabetes. Yep. And so now they're educated just in case they see you kind of slouching or being sluggish, lethargic. Exactly. Right? That's a combination yeah. of it. The other was, I think I was really the only person in our school who had it. And so, yeah. you know, the immediate reaction, I think of people when, oh, you hear someone is diagnosed with something like, oh, like, yeah. is that contagious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So really just the kind of one given understanding of what it is. And two, like you said, if, if you see something like, the the nurse um, at our school was like the mom of one of my really good friends yeah. um, growing up too. So really just to kind of have that awareness of what to do. And yeah, I mean, like it, it was the the school I went to was just great in terms of how they kind of handled it and cared for me. Yeah. And a lot of that really was just driven, I think, by that kind of initial initial work that my mom put in. So, yeah, that, and that's awesome that your mom actually got the news or the news yeah. to come out to the and and talk about what a great job. That everyone's doing for her son. Yep. I mean, that's that's huge, man. You know, it's a rarity a news segment like that gets aired nowadays. It's you know, it's other stuff. Yep. But that that's really awesome, man. Maybe one day uh, we'll get this podcast out to your mom. Hey, that'd be, be great. To to it, right? Yeah, I'll I'll yeah. give her a heads up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, and I, I mean, so kind of flash forward a little bit to where I yeah. am today. So I I've, I at least had heard stories. You know, a lot of times, yeah, people are in, you know, they have their diabetes in pretty good control, mm -hmm. you know, when they are, you know, a child and grow up. And then when you kind of get out on your own and go off to college, you maybe kind of you know, let things go a little bit. Don't take as good care of yourself. Yeah. And that's really where you can kind of get into trouble with complications later on in life. And right. so when I was when I was really leaving high school and really by the time I was in high school, it was kind of transitioning to where I was doing more of it myself. It wasn't just like, okay, you know, senior in high school, my mom's still testing my blood sugar in the middle of the night. Right. But uh, anyways, so when I kind of got off to college, I really looked and I, I was aware of how much like time and effort my mom had put in. And that in itself is just kind of a motivating factor. Like I'm not going to let any of that go to waste, you know? Right. I mean, I'm gonna, so I, I'd, I'd say I wasn't hundred percent as good at taking my care, taking care of myself as she was. Right. But I didn't like, you know, have any, any huge incidents that, uh, you know, you hear about sometimes mm -hmm. with, uh, happening with people. Um, and so really just, you know, inspiring me to kind of carry that, that, um, care forward. I yeah. guess was a, another big part of it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, she, uh, yeah, she's, she did it all and it's pretty amazing. Um, and, and now that I'm kind of out, on my own, like you mentioned earlier, my youngest brother in the Marine Corps, that's kind of become her new thing now. Yeah. She's gotten fully on board with that. So yeah. she she uh, did a great job of, you know, 15-ish years, you know, taking care of me, watching out for me, making sure I was going to be, you know, in good shape whenever I kind of got out on my own. And yeah. now the fact that my youngest brother's in the Marine, she's kind of gotten full on board with the Marine mom. Right. It's, it's awesome to see. Right. Yep. No, yeah. that is awesome to see. So man, it'd be great to have her on the podcast yeah. someday and 
have her talk about all of her children from <laughs> type one diabetes to protecting the greatest country in the world, you know? Yep. That's, that's amazing. She would stuff. have some unique perspectives for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah man. Mrs. Dixon, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll pass on the invite. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about you as well from seven years old to present. Did you ever go through times or a time in your life during this that you had the, you sat down and you're like, you know, why me? Why, 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 why did you choose me to have this yep. disease? Yeah. And, and so I think this is where it kind of maybe starts to tie into the, the question we had discussed earlier and kind of relating it back to attitude, but mm -hmm. it's, it's probably hard, pretty hard not to have feelings like that. And they definitely have crept in from time to time. Right. But in some regards, I guess I guess one way being diagnosed with diabetes really impacted me was just it gave me a, a, just a flat out appreciation for life. I mean, right. the way technology is kind of advanced even to present day, every time I have a, you know, eye doctor appointment or something like that, it kind of the the message is, well, you know, they're coming closer and closer to finding something, you know, it's very likely in your lifetime, they'll have, you know, some form of a cure for it. So if you can just, you know, kind of maintain where you're at, then, yeah. you, you know, you'll really mitigate any risk of, of serious damage potentially mm -hmm. by that point. Yeah. But, you know, when I was first diagnosed, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, things were, I don't, I don't even remember, I went on an insulin pump, which kind of replaced the daily injections I was getting when I was in around like eighth grade. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know how long they'd been out before that, but you know, when I was first diagnosed, there was, I think still kind of a lot of uncertainty on what impact on quality of life this has had yeah. at some point in your life. Yeah. And so really just that mentality of kind of like, you know, hey, every day is a new day. Like, um, and and even thinking about that today at this point, if I can just you know today focus on what I can focus on, you know, maintain where I'm at, have a great day, and then just kind of build those days on on top of each other. Right. Um. Then who knows what it leads to? You know, down the road. Yeah. Um. So really, just a, an appreciation for life. Now, as far as kind of asking a why me question, I like I said, I I've definitely had those thoughts at some point. It's kind yeah. of hard not to. Yeah. Really more. Lately, I've kind of had a different, maybe a paradigm shift on that question. Okay. Not necessarily why me in the sense of like, oh, uh, like why, why am like the way you normally think of it. Why yeah, was I diagnosed? That's exactly right. More of the sense, almost in a positive light, like if I had been born in a third world, third world country mm -hmm. and uh, I was diagnosed with diabetes in 1994, in all likelihood, like I probably wouldn't be sitting with you today here, you know, in, yeah. in your studio. Right. Um, just because one, not the access to the, um, like medical care that we have today. Right. Um, and to just really just availability and, and being able to get the care you need. And so, so now the kind of why me question is more of a shift to like, okay, well, I, I feel like I'm here for a reason. Um, and so it's now more figuring out like, what am I supposed to do with that? And so yeah. that, that's still kind of a, you know, in progress yeah. project, I guess yeah. you could call it, but that's been more of the shift of, of the why me question. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I, I broke my leg playing uh, collegiate soccer and it was not just a tibia, but it was a tibia and fibia break and they put a metal rod and four screws in it and pretty much ended my uh, collegiate career as a soccer player and there's there's times man i sat there as positive as i was back in the day too i i played the victim card why me and i can't play anymore and i can't and it's you you can play 
right? You, you still can yeah. play, and it, it just takes a little time to heal. And I remember my mom, I was uh, walking slowly, and my mom's <laughs> like, you're not on crutches anymore. You can just walk. It's going to be fine. You know, so then, you know, I, I, going back to, yeah, I, I felt bad about myself, but at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're right. And you have that mom there that's able to not just necessarily comfort you, but she's going to let you know that it's going to be fine. And she may not show it to you all the time. Like if she's scared or nervous, yep. she's got that strong face, yep. right? And she's got that good poker face. Moms could be really good poker players, <laughs> I think. Um, so, you know, it's amazing to have um, a mom or dad or parents that are able to help their children get through um, a disease and continue to fight it in such a positive way. And that's where I feel you are going to be super successful in the continual fight uh, for a cure or to keep this disease in check until they find an absolute cure yep. for it. And which translates, man, into in my just my own opinion, because I'm not a social sociologist, anthropologist by any means or psychological anthropologist, but by having a good positive attitude it's going to take you so far in life you know just your marriage uh, your work especially your work for me because I, I don't know you in your own personal life per se mm -hmm. but just coming to work and seeing you and say hey what's going on brother you know yep. good morning you know and you'd always turn back and you'd make eye contact you say hey man what's up yep and then we'd go get some water <laughs> just little things like yeah. that it makes a big difference to me and i know that it makes a big difference to you. Yeah, and absolutely. Like you said, I mean, and going back to attitude, I mean, there are a lot of things in life, you know, being diagnosed with diabetes being one of them that you just can't control. But your attitude definitely is something you can control. Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of those things. Um, it's more about how do you respond to, you know, when something comes up. And yeah, yeah like I said, I mean, you definitely get those moments where you kind of try to play the victim card. But for me, it's like, eh, it's just not worth it. I mean, right. it's, it's right. a lot easier. And, and I know... And trying to think in the long run of things, it's going to be way better off for me and those around me just, you know, trying to flip that around and, and not, not do that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that as well, because it is something um, you, you can't control. Right? You can't control how you feel if someone says something that makes you mad. It's a feeling. You can't really control right. it. But what you can control is how do you react to it? One, what do you say to? Right. And yep. then that, that's your attitude. It's like, how are you going to react to it? And being able to be positive like that, man, you know, the future generation, like if you have kids, it's going to be amazing because I think both of you guys will make amazing parents. I know you guys make great parents already, so. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we try. <laughs> but no, I mean, you, you bring up another really good point there. Um, is that, you know, even outside of stuff like that, it is, and I'm sure you can relate being a positive person. There's definitely <laughs> stuff that it, it makes it hard to stay positive sometimes. I mean, yeah. I feel like in the news today, I mean, what nine out of 10 stories that are shit on there is something negative. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes that, that's, that's the type of stuff that will keep me up at night. Just like, man, like I wish there was something more I could do to make a positive impact on the yeah. world. Yeah. But then at the same time, you have to kind of remember you're, you're one person. There's only so much you can do and, mm -hmm. and, and control what you can control. But, um, and that kind of ties back to, you know, attitude is one of those things. So you gotta, yeah. it's kind of a, you know, circle there, chicken or egg, you got to control your attitude yeah. and how you're thinking. But yeah. uh, there is definitely stuff out there that makes it, it tough to stay positive at times, but yeah. you just got to power through and do it. No, that's true. So with this positivity um, notion that we're um, vibing off of right now, 
at work, let's say at work, you know, you, you go to work and you got all these stressors going, how, how do you deal with someone coming to your office and kind of having a bad attitude with you? How do you, how do you deal with that? That's a great question. Um, so, so firstly, I really just, like I said, I kind of think back, okay, you got to kind of gauge where are they at right now? And like, mm. Hey, that will kind of determine, okay, how do I maybe react to how they're doing? My immediate reaction always when I see someone who's, so we call it the mood elevator at work. It's yeah. kind of already on the upper end of the low end. Yeah, My yeah. immediate reaction is always to try and bring people up on the mood yeah. elevator. And sometimes people just aren't having it. And you just got to, you know, you can't let that bring you down if you're, you know, trying and it's not working. Yeah. Um, but I, I usually am pretty lighthearted around stuff. And yeah. We're fortunate to have, have some people in our group at work um, that are like that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if it's like, oh, hey, you know, let's go grab a coffee or just kind of get outside, step outside and talk about this or have a meeting about this and really just kind of try and reset the mood on that yeah. and uh, hope you can kind of bring that change about. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and that's good. That's good information for me because I, I have to learn to be like more like you. You know, as positive as I am, I'm not going to um, sugarcoat it. There's times I'm like, dude, just don't even talk to me right now. Man. <laughs> and that's yeah. speaking of the mood elevator. So I go from even kill to I just shot myself down with my answer. Yeah. Right? The way I, I treated or talked to a, a coworker or a colleague or, or even just a friend, you know. And Yeah. And I, I tend to try and look at any, you know, anytime someone's having a problem with something or a challenge or, you know, question, I try and look at that as a new challenge or opportunity. And that mm-hmm. kind of drives me a little bit too, is yeah. I'm always up for, you know, trying to take on something new or learn something new or help yeah. somebody out with something. And yeah. so that can be another way to look at it as well. No, that's great, yeah. man. That's actually really, really good. And I've thought about that uh, as well. So I know my own person as far as what, uh, will drive me and what makes me kind of eh and what makes me really just excited about something and for me what drives me is just a little simple things you know like oh, hey what's going on or hey good morning because the tone of someone's voice and the body language will uh, you can immediately read yep. you know that that person their approach and what do they really want and that's you know? i mean that's another thing um that that you mentioned that makes me think of uh I feel like, especially in our society today with, you know, social media and stuff, there's a, it's a lot easier to have relationships on kind of a high or superficial level. You know, yeah. Twitter, you're limited to 280 now. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. The increase. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it's a lot more challenging to really kind of get in and know people and know, yeah. you know, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, to be able to establish that is, is pretty big. And I feel like it's it's a lot more difficult now than maybe it used to be, mm-hmm. um, or at least it seems to be more more rare. Yeah. Um, but being able to establish those connections, I think, is is huge. That's a great point. I So sometimes, you know, we have this IM chat thing, so you can just shoot an instant message but in my group my colleagues are literally two three four five doors down the hall from me so instead of shooting them an i am i will get up out of my chair number one it's good for me to do that <laughs> and then it's just to go talk and let them know what i'm talking about because if i sit there and i type something up it's a nonverbal type of communication they're reading words and you read a sentence that says hey man you get this done you can read that 10 different ways yep which I would go up and say, hey, man, you get this done yet, bro? Something I can help you with, right? So that changes 
the whole complexion of the way we communicate. If you can just get up out of your chair and go walk down and ask your colleague about something or just talk to them about something, you know, find something in common. You know, I, uh, I'm a big OU fan and I've got a couple of friends or colleagues that are OSU friends or fans, (laughs) right? And Great game yeah. last week. Oh, <laughs> man. That was a huge game, wasn't it? <laughs> we won't go into details yeah, yeah. yet, but I mean, we did win, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I will try to find a, what they call, quote unquote, an icebreaker to talk about something. And whether it's a, the color 50 shades of orange or, you know, something about Oklahoma State, I'll, I'll, find, I'll figure it out and I'll find a way to communicate with them because that's going to be important because at the end of the day, the we as a group have a goal and we have objectives and those objectives help us reach our goal so we have to do whatever we can as a group to attain that goal because that goal drives the whole company we all have to collaborate as as a group and become better uh, communicators i feel more importantly um, become better human beings all the way around inside the office and outside the office. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, props to you for your podcast here, because I, <laughs> I honestly do think you're going in that direction, which is a really great thing. I mean, you're yeah, great. Thanks, you get some man. great, great folks on here to, <laughs> to talk and just kind of, you know, you're, you're really living the example of how do you have those kind of discussions with people and yeah. get to know them and what drives I appreciate them it. things like that. Yeah. Well, it's easy when I have, <laughs> we have, I, we honestly, it's, it's easy when I have a guest like you and your wife that shows up and it's, really cool that she's here to listen in on this because it just shows you how supportive she is. I mean, there's going to be times when a spouse can't make it to a podcast. That's the human nature of things, right? But this happens to be a weekend and she has time to do it. And so why not? Absolutely. And so that's, I I love that about couples, you know, they're, they're supportive. And honestly, for me with Margie, I I feel very fortunate to have Margie, right? Because Margie doesn't, complete me margie compliments me really well mm-hmm. you know so it, it, it's a huge uh, huge compliment to each other and we feed off each other just like <laughs> you guys are looking at each other and smiling you guys are feeding off of each other's positivity and and there's gonna be times when she's not feeling it as a audiologist right yeah and you're gonna have to pick her up especially during school sometimes. especially <laughs> during school <laughs> And speaking of her being an audiologist, yeah. you're going to have to use your ears to listen yeah. to yeah. exactly yeah, what you're saying. I know he saying. has normal hearing, so he can't, he can't <laughs> yeah, on me. Yeah, no excuses. <laughs> yeah, you're also the guinea pig of yeah. certain things, you, right? Yeah, you know, she needs needs someone to test during, a, you know, prepping for a class or something like that. I yeah. It. No, but yeah, she's been wonderful. And, and it was actually at a rehearsal dinner, I think, where my mom had kind of mentioned something along the lines of, you know, whenever I was kind of getting out on my own, she would just kind of pray and say, you know, um, just really someone for me, whoever I would meet and, you know, that would be able to be there for me mm-hmm. in the way that she used to be. And she was like, yeah, I mean, Kristen's the perfect answer to that prayer. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> so from seven years old to being diagnosed with diabetes one. Yep. And your mom was basically the, uh, the person that took care of you. I mean, yeah, she's, she's the reason I, I attribute everything you know, for where I am today, um, in that regard, all to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she, sounds she did like it, it all. And like I said, you know, without missing a beat on, on still being a mom to four other siblings. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's re- just really impressive and, and couldn't be more appreciative of it for sure. And, and like I said, I, it, it impacted our family as a whole in a lot of ways too. I mean, 
um, you know, really kept us more on a schedule and, you know, eat healthier and things like that, kind of get out and do stuff. Um, So there was always like a, there was a camp every summer. We always just called it diabetic camp. I don't know. (laughs) There was like a more official name for it, but like (laughs) all my siblings could go to it too. And it was like, they would have outdoorsy stuff you'd go do. And then like educational stuff you would do. And uh, anyways, yeah, so we all went through it. And I think most of us even kind of after you aged out, you could go back and be a counselor. And so I think even a lot of them went back and did that too. And my mom would like help out with the arts and crafts at it for several years. So um, yeah, I mean, really, it really, we were, a close we've always been a really close-knit family and um i feel like we were like it before this diagnosis as well mm-hmm. but i think this definitely probably helped drive kind of that even a little bit more, yeah more so, so yeah there's always some kind of not life altering or changing but there's something pretty dramatic within families that brings families a lot closer you know mm-hmm. and sometimes it's fortunate that it happens and sometimes it's an unfortunate situation that happens that has brought families even closer in Going back to your foods, what kind of foods do you eat now? I mean, is there yeah, so, is there a restriction? So, um, like I said, uh, with technology and stuff, that's kind of improved things quite a bit. Yeah. So, uh, when I was first diagnosed and, uh, and on shots, like um, insulin shots, injections, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like alcohol shots. Seven-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, seven <laughs> So, I mean, you you know, I'd take my injection in the morning and then you had to really keep um, on a specific schedule or else like your insulin would start kicking in before, you know, your food did and then your blood sugar would get low. Yeah. And so you really had to stay on a really set schedule. And so I specifically remember, I was actually telling someone about this the other day, um, I would always get sent with like a tablespoon of peanut butter, like as a sna- a mid-morning snack. Yeah. I had to eat it like the same time of every day. <laughs> And so after like a couple of years of that, I got to the point where I hated peanut butter and it probably wasn't until <laughs> like three or four years ago that I actually started like eating peanut butter again. I probably went like over 10 years and yeah. I was like, I can't even look at peanut butter I was so <laughs> sick of it. Um, but yeah. And, and so one thing like I, I have to do is really, they call it counting your carbs. And so oh, yeah. the amount of insulin I have to take to, uh, is really kind of calculated up to offset the carbohydrates that I intake. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so you know, within carbs, you know, you have kind of some different groupings. So depending on, you know, sugars technically have carbs, um, but so do, you know, healthier foods, yeah. like bread, you know, breads and, and grains and things like that, or like, uh, beans or something like that. Yeah. You know, I think beans rice, have carbs. Yeah. yeah. Slow burning versus yeah. quick burning. Exactly. Yeah. Rice. I should probably know a little bit more about that than I do, but, <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, so like it all, all that being said, it was really that when I first started, you had to stick on a real schedule. Once I went on an insulin pump, that really gave me a lot more flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so now I really have the kind of control in my own, you know, palm of my hand. I pick up my pump and say, okay, I'm going to eat something right now. And I just plug in the number of carbs I'm eating and then I eat my meal and then it's, it theoretically should work out where the insulin kicks in and kind of offsets the impact of oh, my wow. blood sugar of the carbs. Okay. And so I can really kind of eat whenever I want. Technically, I'd say I could eat whatever I want. I just yeah. have to offset it with more you yeah. know, insulin. Yeah. Um, that's still probably not the greatest idea. So I still try and eat, you know, fairly regularly healthy. Yeah. Um, but like I used to remember like, oh, yeah, if I would eat like pizza for dinner growing up. Like it would send my blood sugar like sky high overnight. Mm. And now like via the pump, there's kind of functions on there where you can kind of set, yeah, okay, I'm going to do do, uh, insulin now, but I want it to delay the delivery or kind of space it out. 
So instead of giving it all at once, it's going to space it out over mm-hmm. two or three hours and kind of offset that a little That's bit. That's pretty awesome. So it's man. definitely allowed a lot more flexibility yeah. in kind of when and what I can eat and things right, like that. Right, right. So. Yeah, because it used to be where you press a button and it just injects it all at once. Yeah, as yeah. well. So what it was... I remember I, hearing about Yeah, that. when I was yeah. on shots, it was like, yeah, you just take everything all at once. And then when the pump first came out, it was basically, yeah, you just program in how much insulin you need to take. And now like... My pump almost looks like a little cell phone. It's it's touch screen. I can, you know, program in, okay, here's the number of carbs I'm eating. And then it comes back and says, okay, you need to take this amount of insulin. But then I can also put in, you know, here's what my current blood sugar is. So yeah. it can up, up or, or, you know, lower or increase the insulin um, depending on what my current blood sugar level it is. So it's just pretty incredible. And they're continuing to uh, come up with new stuff. Seems like all the time. So. And he's another cool device that monitors yeah, so sugar I, actually hours. yeah when we were wow. in, when we were we were on our honeymooning cancun and there was a couple kind of down there that was talking about it because they saw so for my insulin pump i wear a little kind of uh injection site yeah that, where the pump actually goes into me and uh and so anyway someone saw that and they were asking us about it and so there's this other thing that had already been approved in some other countries and it had like just recently gotten approved in the u.s um and they call it like a continual glucose monitor so cgm okay and so basically it's kind of another little patch thing that i wear with a a sensor that goes into my stomach and um, it's not very long i can't even really feel it when i when i put it in yeah Um, but i wear those for a week at a time and it basically links to an app on my iphone yeah and it just every five minutes will update and tell me what my blood sugar is so that more or less i I still have to kind of um test my blood sugar a couple days a couple times a day just to make sure it's synced up right but that's really how replace the need to test your blood sugar kind of every time you're needing to do something and it'll you know it'll alert me if i get above or below a certain range and things like that so you can see pretty cool trends and your doctors can analyze it and say oh i think we need to try changing this or whatnot so very cool feature for sure. No, that is cool, man. Holy cow. It's pretty uh, in depth. <laughs> so I'm know? very, I'm very into like also for running stuff, you know, using different apps that I have a heart rate monitor so I can kind of go back and see, okay, you know, over the course of my run, I was running at this speed and here's what my heart rate was doing. Yeah. Was, I just kind of love kind of techie stuff like that yeah, and go yeah. back and just analyze results. And so this yeah. allows me to do the same thing with my blood sugar readings. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, my, uh, my neighbor across the street, he's a pretty techie dude. He's, uh, all about technology and i mean he'd probably find that pretty fascinating yeah. <laughs> you know that's pretty good stuff man you know one day we're going to get your mom on here because she sounds like an amazing she is amazing yep. woman and you know she's probably like who the heck is Wong? <laughs> is that Asian well by that t- you know by that time we'll be famous probably so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well whether i am or i'm not yeah. it'd be good to have Absolutely, her story yeah. on you know yeah, yeah i'm an only child and coming into this family with mm-hmm. five kids she's just open arms accepted yeah i could see that and yeah. she's, she's really wonderful she's yeah. a special woman for yeah. sure see and but you make that easy for her too with your personality and your attitude oh, i mean it's it, it's easy i could easily see margie being a friend of yours you know so when i'd love to meet her sometime. oh you're going to meet her sometime there's <laughs> there's no doubt and you because you hear stories not to switch gears but you hear stories about oh man i gotta go see my mother-in-law or blah 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 but that I don't feel that when I go see Margie's mom. And I, she's like a mom, you know, and she's so sweet, thoughtful, considerate. And I can see where Margie gets that. And then I can see where you get that from your mom. And then now, you know, you're coming, you're in the family. And so it's like, man, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. You know, it, it's really neat. Very, very dynamic and very, very neat. Very unique for sure. I well, appreciate it. Yeah, man. So my, uh, my last question to you for this podcast is what advice 
do you have for our listeners um, to be that positive difference maker in in the world, to be like the Tim Dixons of the world? Hey, we need more Tim Dixons of the world. So many of my friends have said, now is there a clone of him? There you that go. Is, like, that's who I need to start dating. Man. <laughs> oh, man. What a, <laughs> Swipe what a compliment right. and what a question, man. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, it, it, like I said, I, there's so many things, you know, that have, have gone into it. And it's hard for me to say, you know, even if I hadn't been diagnosed with diabetes, would I have still kind of had the same attitude? It's hard to say, I mean, because it's such yeah. a big what if question. Yeah. For me, what it probably really comes down to, um, and I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, is I just get so much joy and gratitude out of helping or giving to those around me. Yeah. And I think being able to shift the focus to not really, you know, how is this, how is something going to impact me, but how is this going to impact people around me and, and what can I do to really better them? Yeah. And so I don't know, for, for whatever reason, that kind of way of thinking just comes somewhat naturally to me. I mean, there are definitely inclinations where it's, it's, you know, first thought is, Oh, I got to think of myself here. But for whatever reason, I just have a little bit easier time just kind of trying to think about, okay, how's this going to impact, you know, the people around me, but near term, long term things like that. That's just how I think. Yeah. Um, But so I I would say, you know, if you can get to a point where you can maybe try and shift uh, as situations come at you, shift thinking, to be along those lines, yeah, know, more along the lines of, okay, you know, is this decision or how is this situation going to uh, impact those around me? You know, if I go with, you know, response A or response B, yeah, um, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I can yeah. give on that front. That was a good question though. I think yeah. that it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific thing. Yeah, no, which, I'm with you. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to partially just how we're wired. I yeah. Think, just how we, yeah. How we work. Yeah. This is just kind of like follow your heart type, yep. you know, you, more obligations to one another. doesn't matter which religion, which political stance you, you may have your you know, differences. We're all, we're all in this world together. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And that's great advice, man. I definitely appreciate you and your wife for coming in to uh, listening on this podcast. So, Mr. Dixon, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, which there would be some, Ooh. what? Uh, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so I, I am on social media. I'm not a super active user. I think we were chatting earlier, like, oh, I, I average about one or two Instagram posts per year. I and honestly, on Twitter, too. Yeah, Twitter. I don't tweet very much either. I noticed. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, email is probably the easiest way to reach out to me. Okay. Um, and my personal email is just going to be tim.dixon, which is D-I-X-O-N, and then the number 10 okay. at gmail.com. So tim.dixon10 at gmail.com. Very good, man. Well, once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come up and do this podcast. And Mrs. Dixon, very nice to meet you nice as well. You. Yeah. And thank so, you so much for having us. It was a great time. Oh, and like yeah, I said, man. appreciate everything you're doing and just honored to be amongst those that have been invited or asked. <laughs> it's a, it's a oh, privilege. Man. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All right, Wong. Appreciate right. it. Yep. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at defmomentspod. That's at D-E-F moments pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram 
at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.